After reciting the Tashahud, Ta'awuz, and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalif al-Masih V, Ayyadullah stated, Previously, accounts about the debate regarding the election of a caliph and Hazrat Abu Bakr subsequently being elected were being narrated. In relation to this, it has been recorded in Tariq al-Tabari that on this occasion, Hazrat Hubbab bin al-Munzir stood up and said, O people of the Ansar, keep this matter in your hands, as these people are currently under your care. Are you referring to the Muhajireen? No one will have the courage to oppose you and people will not disagree with your opinion. You are honourable, affluent, in the majority, strong, mighty and experienced warriors, courageous and brave. People have turned towards you in order to see what you do. Do not disagree at this moment, as your opinion will create disorder among you and your matter will be turned against you. Hence, if these people, i.e. the Mahajirin of the Quraysh, reject what you have just heard, then there will be one leader from among us and one leader from among them. Upon this, Hazrat Umar said, This is impossible. Two swords cannot be combined in one sheath. By Allah, Arabs will never agree to elect you as the leader, while their prophet, peace be upon him, is from a different tribe than yours. However, nothing will hinder the Arabs from agreeing to entrust their matters to those among whom prophethood was established, nor that their leaders should be elected from them. Furthermore, if any Arab rejects the leadership in this case, then we will be justified and have the right to oppose them. Who will oppose us regarding the leadership of Muhammad We are the very friends and family of the Holy Prophet. None but the foolish, a sinner and the one who throws himself into the destruction will oppose this proposition. Hubbab bin al-Munzir said, O people of the Ansar, settle this matter among yourselves and do not all agree to this person and his companions. They wish to devour your share as well and if they reject your proposition, then drive them out of your areas and take control of all matters because by God, you are the most deserving and worthy of this leadership. Your swords have made everyone obedient to this religion all those who would otherwise not have obeyed. I take the responsibility of settling this entire matter on my shoulders, as I am experienced therein and also competent. By God, if you so desire, then I will correct and settle this matter. Hazrat Umar then said, If you do this, then Allah will destroy you. Hazrat Habab replied, It will in fact be you who will be destroyed. At this moment, Hazrat Abu Ubaidah said, O congregation of the Ansar, you are the pioneers in helping and assisting the religion. It should not be the case that you now become the first ones to alter and change it. 
Upon this, Bashir bin Saad said, O congregation of the Ansar, the sole objective of the opportunity we received of fighting the idolaters and serving the religion of Islam in its early stages was to acquire the pleasure of our Creator, and it was done in obedience to our Messenger. It does not befit us to make ourselves superior to others, and we do not desire any worldly benefit from this. This is merely a favor of Allah the Almighty upon us. Hearken, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was most certainly from among the Quraysh, and as such, his tribe is more deserving and worthy of this leadership. I swear by God and proclaim that I will not dispute with them regarding this matter. Fear Allah and do not oppose them and do not dispute with them in relation to this matter. Another narration of the speech of Hazrat Umar is recorded in Sunan al-Kubra lin Nisai that when the Ansar said in the courtyard of the Banu Sa'idah that there should be one leader among us and one among you, Hazrat Umar replied, as was previously mentioned, that there cannot be two swords in one sheath. They will not fare well if so. Hazrat Umar then took the hand of Hazrat Abu Bakr and said, Who is it that possesses these three qualities? Meaning, when the Holy Prophet said to his companion, Grieve not, for Allah is with us. Who was the companion? He then said, Meaning, when they were both in the cave, who were these two people? Hazrat Umar continued, Do not grieve, for Allah is with us. Who was it that was beside the Holy Prophet? Who was he with or is with aside from Hazrat Abu Bakr? Saying this, Hazrat Abu Bakr pledged his allegiance to Hazrat Abu Bakr and told the people to also swear allegiance, which they then did. After Hazrat Umar, Hazrat Abu Abaidah bin Al-Jarrah and Hazrat Bashir bin Saad pledged their allegiance. And in this manner, all of the Ansar pledged allegiance. In Islamic literature, this pledge is also known as Bayt Saqifa or Bayt Khasa. It is mentioned in some records that Hazrat Saad bin Abada did not pledge his allegiance to Hazrat Abu Bakr, whereas in other narrations, it is evident that he pledged allegiance alongside all the Ansar. It is recorded in Tariq At-Tabari that all the people pledged their allegiance to Hazrat Abu Bakr one after another, and Hazrat Saad bin Abada also pledged allegiance. Whilst mentioning the Khilafat that followed after the Holy Prophet, Hazrat Muslim anhu states, Observe how Khilafat was established after the Holy Prophet and how wonderfully so. After his demise, Hazrat Abu Bakr became the Khalifa. At the time, the Ansar desired for there to be a Caliph from among them and one from among the Muhajireen. Having heard this, Hazrat Abu Bakr, Hazrat Umar and some other companions immediately made their way to where the Ansar had gathered. He said, It is wrong for there to be two Caliphs and that Islam would not progress through division. There will only be one Caliph. If you create division, there will be disorder. Your honour will be lost and the Arabs will tear you apart. So do not do this. Some of the Ansar began presenting some arguments to him. Hazrat Umar narrates, I assumed that Hazrat Abu Bakr did not possess the ability to deliver a speech, and so I should speak to the Ansar. However, when Hazrat Abu Bakr addressed them, he presented all the points I had in mind. Hazrat Umar continues, In fact, he presented even more points. Seeing this, I thought to myself that today this elderly gentleman has surpassed me. In the end, the grace of Allah was such that the people from among the Ansar themselves stood up and proclaimed that whatever Hazrat Abu Bakr is saying is correct and that the Arabs will obey none other than the Meccans. One Ansari passionately said, O my people, Allah the Almighty sent his messenger to his nation. His kin drove him out of his city and we gave him a place in our homes. Then, as a result of this, Allah the Almighty granted us honour. We of Medina were without repute and lowly, but due to the Messenger we gained honour and repute. Hence, we should deem that sufficient and not become greedy 
lest it harm us. Hazrat Abu Bakr then said, It is vital to establish a caliphate, so elect who you please as the caliph. I myself has no desire to become the caliph. Abu Bakr further said, This is Abu Ubaidah bin al-Jarrah. He was granted the title of the custodian of the Ummah by the Holy Prophet, so you may pledge your allegiance to him. There is also Umar, who is an unsheathed sword for Islam, so you may pledge allegiance to him. Hazrat Umar said, Abu Bakr, that is enough. Give your hand and accept our pledge of allegiance. Allah the Almighty instilled this courage in the heart of Hazrat Abu Bakr and he accepted their pledge of allegiance. In reference to the Pledge of Allegiance at Saqifah Banu Sa'ida, it is further reported that the demise of the Holy Prophet ﷺ took place on a Monday. The people began pledging allegiance at the hands of Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq. The remainder of that Monday and on the morning of Tuesday, the collective bayat took place. Hazrat Anas bin Malik reports, the day after the bayat took place at Saqifah Banu Sa'ida, Hazrat Abu Bakr was seated in the mosque when Hazrat Umar stood to speak prior to him. He praised and glorified Allah and then said, O people, yesterday I said something to you, i.e. that the Holy Prophet had not passed away, which is not mentioned in Allah's book anywhere, nor did the Holy Prophet disclose this to me. However, I believed that the Holy Prophet would watch over us. The narrator continues, Hazrat Umar then said, I thought that we would pass away before the Holy Prophet and that he would be the last of us. Undoubtedly, Allah the Almighty has left you such a thing through which he guided the Holy Prophet And if you are resolute in adhering to it, then Allah the Almighty will also guide you just as he guided the Holy Prophet. Allah the Almighty has entrusted your matters to a man who is the best among you and who was the companion of the Holy Prophet It was he about whom it was said, He was one among the two when they were in the cave. Therefore hearken and pledge allegiance to him. And thus following this, the people pledged allegiance to Hazrat Abu Bakr Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq delivered an address on the day that the collective bayat took place. After praising and glorifying Allah, he stated, O people, surely I have been appointed as a guardian over you, but I am not the best among you. If I perform good works, then cooperate with me, and if I stray, then set me right. Upholding the truth is a trust, and falsehood is a breach of that trust. In my view, the weak among you are strong until I am able to afford them their rights from others and the strong among you are weak in my sight until I am able to secure from them the rights of others, God willing. A nation that abandons jihad for the sake of Allah is disgraced by him, and a nation in which wrongdoings become prevalent is stricken with strife by Allah himself. If I am obedient to Allah and his messenger, وسلم, then follow me in obedience. However, if I am disobedient to Allah and his messenger, then it is not compulsory for you to be obedient to me. Now stand for prayer. May Allah have mercy on you all. There are many narrations regarding Hazrat Ali's Pledge of Allegiance to Hazrat Abu Bakr. In Tariq At-Tabri, Habib bin Abi Thabit narrates, Hazrat Ali was in his home when a person came to him and said, Hazrat Abu Bakr is now taking the Pledge of Allegiance. Hazrat Ali was wearing a simple robe at the time. In that state, where he was not wearing any extra garments, nor his mantle, he hurried to Hazrat Abu Bakr and pledged allegiance to him for fear in case he is delayed. He then sat beside Hazrat Abu Bakr, after which he sent for his garments and dressed himself. He remained seated in the gathering around Hazrat Abu Bakr. The narrations regarding Hazrat Ali's Pledge of Allegiance to Hazrat Abu Bakr vary. Some narrations suggest that Hazrat Ali did not pledge allegiance for six months and pledged allegiance after the demise of Hazrat Fatima, while other narrations suggest that Hazrat Ali was inclined to pledge allegiance to Hazrat Abu Bakr immediately. Hazrat Abu Sayyid Khudri narrates, After Hazrat Abu Bakr had taken the pledge of the allegiance from the Muhajireen and the Ansar, he stood at the pulpit and looked to the people and noticed 
that Hazrat Ali was not among them. Hazrat Abu Bakr inquired about the whereabouts of Hazrat Ali. Some people among the Ansar brought Hazrat Ali. Hazrat Abu Bakr addressed him and said, O cousin and son-in-law to the Messenger of Allah, do you wish to break the strength of the Muslims? Hazrat Ali replied, O Khalifa of the Messenger of Allah, please do not be strict upon me. Following this, he pledged allegiance to him. Allama ibn Kathir states, Hazrat Ali bin Abi Talib pledged allegiance to Hazrat Abu Bakr on the first or second day after the demise of the Holy Prophet And this is the truth. The reason being that Hazrat Ali never abandoned Hazrat Abu Bakr, nor did he refrain from praying behind him. The Promised Messiah states, Hazrat Ali, may Allah honor him, was initially somewhat hesitant in pledging allegiance to Hazrat Abu Bakr However, when he reached home, only Allah knows what crossed his mind. He did not even wear his turban and instead wore a simple cap and came to pledge allegiance. He later asked for his turban to be brought. It seems that perhaps a thought crossed his mind that it would be a grave sin to abstain and this is why he left in such haste that he did not even tie his turban and instead came with a cap to pledge allegiance and asked for his turban to be brought later. As the Muslim states, Look to Hazrat Abu Bakr and observe that he was just an ordinary merchant in Makkah. If the Holy Prophet was not raised as a prophet and the history of Makkah was still recorded, all that would be said about Hazrat Abu Bakr is that he was a noble and honest Arab merchant. However, for his devotion to the Holy Prophet he attained a rank that granted him respect and reverence around the entire world. When the Holy Prophet passed away, and when the Muslims elected Hazrat Abu Bakr as their caliph and king, this news spread to Makkah. A large gathering had formed in which the father of Hazrat Abu Bakr, Abu Kahafa, was also present. When he heard that the people had pledged allegiance to Hazrat Abu Bakr, he could not come to terms with it. In astonishment, he asked the newsbearer about which Abu Bakr he was referring to. He replied, None other than your son, Abu Bakr. He began to cite the names of every Arab tribe and asked, Have they also pledged allegiance to Abu Bakr? And when he was told that everyone had unanimously chosen Azad Abu Bakr to be their caliph and leader, then Abu Kuhafa could not help but to remark, Ashhadu la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lahu wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh. Meaning, I bear witness that there is none worthy of worship except Allah the Almighty and that the Holy Prophet is his true messenger. Hazrat Muslim Aud continues, This was despite the fact that Hazrat Abu Kuhafa was already a Muslim and had pledged allegiance to the Holy Prophet. The reason he recited the declaration of faith and reaffirmed the prophethood of the Holy Prophet was because the caliphate of Hazrat Abu Bakr was a stark realization and he understood this to be a substantial proof for the truthfulness of Islam. He said, otherwise my son was not someone under whom all of Arabia would be united. Whilst mentioning this on another occasion, Hazrat Muslim Aud states, Ponder over the condition of Hazrat Abu Bakr prior to his acceptance of Islam. His father was still alive when he became the Khalifa and someone congratulated him that Hazrat Abu Bakr became the Khalifa. Upon this he asked, which Abu Bakr? To which he replied, your son, Abu Bakr. Even then he was not convinced and said it was probably someone else. However, when he was informed that it was indeed Hazrat Abu Bakr, he proclaimed, Allah is the greatest. How lofty is the grandeur of Muhammad and that the son of Abu Kahafa has been accepted by the Arabs as their leader. Thus Abu Bakr, who possessed no worldly rank, but he attained such honor owing to his subservience to the Holy Prophet that even today hundreds of thousands of people are proud to associate themselves with him. Hazrat Khalid the first radiallahu states, Let it be known that Allah the Almighty does not remain indebted to anyone. In fact, however much one gives in the way of God, he grants a hundreds of thousands times more in return. Look at the example of Abu Bakr. He left a simple dwelling in Makkah. But God Almighty valued that so much that in return he granted him authority to reign over an entire kingdom. There is a dream of the Holy Prophet with regards to Hazrat Abu Bakr's Khilafat. It has been rated by Hazrat Abdullah bin Umar anhuma that the Holy Prophet ﷺ stated, 
I was shown in a dream that I was standing beside a well and I used the bucket that was hanging there to draw out water. In the meantime, Abu Bakr came and he drew one or two buckets of water in such a manner that it seemed as if he had done so with great difficulty due to weakness, but that Allah would cover up his weakness and forgive him. Then Umar bin Khattab arrived and the bucket became larger and I never saw such a mighty person as Umar who could perform such a monumental task. He drew so much water that everyone was satiated and then went back to their own dwellings. There is a dream of Hazrat Abu Bakr as well. It is narrated that Hazrat Abu Bakr once saw in a dream that he was wearing a garment made from a Yemeni cloth. However, it had two stains on the chest area. Hazrat Abu Bakr related this dream before the Holy Prophet and the Holy Prophet stated, The Yemeni garment means that you will be granted a good progeny. And the two stains mean leadership for a period of two years. In other words, you will be leader of the Muslims for two years. There are some details with regards to Hazrat Abu Bakr's allowance being fixed after he was appointed as the Khalifa. After becoming the Khalifa, Hazrat Abu Bakr came to Medina. Upon assessing his responsibilities, he realized that he would not be able to properly deal with the affairs of the people if he was still engaged in his trade business. Hence, it was essential for him to be completely free from all other tasks in order to remain completely focused. But at the same time, he was also had to provide for his household. And so he left his trade business and would take some funds daily from the Betul Mal in order to cover his and his family's expenses. A yearly allowance of 6,000 dirhams was approved to be taken from Betul Mal for his personal expenses. This was sufficient enough to cover his and his family's needs. However, as the time of his demise drew near, Hazrat Abu Bakr instructed his family members that the money he had taken from the Betul Mal should be returned in its entirety. He instructed that such and such land of his should be sold and whatever he had taken from the wealth of the Muslims till that day ought to be repaid from the sale of that land. After the demise of Hazrat Abu Bakr, when Hazrat Umar became the Khalifa, he received the money and upon this he began to cry and said, O Abu Bakr Siddiq, you have left a huge burden of responsibility upon the successor after you. Hazrat Muslim anhu states, Hazrat Abu Bakr was the leader of the entire Muslim world. But what did he receive? Despite having complete control over the public funds, he never took any of it for himself. Although Hazrat Abu Bakr was a very successful merchant, but since he had the habit that whatever wealth he received, he would immediately spend it in the way of God Almighty, Therefore, it so happened that upon the demise of the Holy Prophet when he became the Khalifa, he did not have any money in cash at the time. The very next day after becoming the Khalifa, Hazrat Abu Bakr took a small bag of clothes and left in order to sell it. Hazrat Umar happened to meet him on the way and inquired what he was doing. Hazrat Abu Bakr replied that after all, he had to do something in order to eat. If he did not sell those clothes, how would he provide for himself? Hazrat Umar stated that this is not plausible because if he spent time selling his clothes, who would fulfill the responsibilities of the Caliph? Hazrat Abu Bakr replied, If I do not do this, how will I survive? Hazrat Umar said that he should take an allowance from the Betul Mal. Hazrat Abu Bakr stated that he could not bear to take anything from the Betul Mal, because he had no right over it. Hazrat Umar stated that when the Holy Quran had permitted that funds of the Betul Mal could be spent on those who served their faith, then why could he not take it? And so, an allowance was fixed for Hazrat Abu Bakr from the Baitul Mal. The amount that was fixed was just sufficient enough to cover the expenses for food and clothes. Hazrat Abu Bakr's era of Khilafat was the shortest amongst all the Khulafai Rashidin and spanned approximately two and a quarter years. Despite spanning such a short era, it is considered as one of the most significant and golden periods of Khilafat Rashida. This is because Hazrat Abu Bakr had to face the most danger and trials. And in turn, owing to God Almighty's extraordinary help, support and blessings, within a short period of time, Hazrat Abu Bakr's remarkable bravery, courage, sagacity and wisdom eliminated the precarious and dangerous circumstances and all the fears were transformed into peace. He crushed the unruly and rebellious people in a way that the leadership in the form of Khilafat 
which appeared to be passing through a turbulent period, was established on firm foundations. The dangerous circumstances and difficulties which Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq had to face have been mentioned by Ummul Mu'mineen Hazrat Aisha radiallahu anha. Whilst mentioning this, the Promise of Islam states, It has been narrated by Hazrat Aisha radiallahu anha. When my father was appointed as Khalifa, and Allah granted him leadership, right from the outset of his Khilafat, he observed the upsurge of disorder from every direction, the efforts of the false claimants to prophethood, and the rebellion of the hypocrites and apostates. The number of calamities he had to face was such that if they were to befall upon a mountain, it would cause it to immediately crush and crumble to the ground. However, he was granted patience like that of the prophets, and eventually Allah the Almighty bestowed his succor, and the false claimants to prophethood and apostates were killed. The disorders and dangers were put to an end, the situation was resolved, and the institution of Khilafat was firmly established. Allah the Almighty saved the believers from calamity, transformed their state of fear into peace, established for them their religion, He established the entire land upon the truth, and utterly humiliated those who sought to create disorder. Allah fulfilled His promise and granted support to His servant Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq and destroyed the leaders of the rebellion and their idols. The hearts of the disbelievers were completely overawed and they ultimately repented. This indeed was the promise of Allah, who is the all-powerful, the most truthful. Thus ponder how all the characteristics and hallmarks of Khilafat were fulfilled in the person of Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu. Right from the outset of his Khilafat, Hazrat Abu Bakr had to face the following five trials. Number one, the grief of the Holy Prophet's demise, the election of Khilafat, and the fear and danger of disorder and division emerging amongst the Muslim Ummah, the matter relating to the departure of Osama's army. Number four, those who call themselves Muslims and yet refuse to pay the zakat and plan to attack Medina. In history, they are known as the disorder of those who refuse to pay the zakat. Number five, the disorder of the apostates, i.e. by those rebellious people who openly declare to create disorder and initiate war. Among them were also those who falsely claimed prophethood. The details of how Allah the Almighty granted success to Hazrat Abu Bakr in order to completely eliminate these precarious circumstances, calamities and disorder will be mentioned further on. However, prior to this, a detailed extract of the just arbiter, the promised Messiah will be presented, in which the promised Messiah has mentioned the similarity between Hazrat Abu Bakr and the first successor of Prophet Moses, Joshua, son of Nun, and also the difficulties and challenges faced by Hazrat Abu Bakr and the victory and success he was granted. The promised Messiah writes, The verse whereby the resemblance between the successors of the Mosaic dispensation and the successors of the Holy Prophet has been categorically and emphatically declared as follows. That is, Allah has promised to those among you who believe and do good works that He will surely make them successors in the earth as He made successors from among those who were before them. When we ponder over the word that signifies resemblance and thus make it incumbent for there to be similarities between the successors of the Holy Prophet and the successors of Prophet Moses, we must accept that Hazrat Abu Bakr was to establish the first foundation of the similarity and the final similarity was to be demonstrated by the Messiah, the seal of the Caliphs in the dispensation of Prophet Muhammad, who was the last of the Caliphs of the Holy Prophet. The similitude of Hazrat Abu Bakr, who was the first Khalifa, 
is like that of Joshua, son of Nun. After the demise of Holy Prophet God chose him for the station of Khilafat and he breathed in him a spirit of wisdom more than he did to anyone else, to the extent that all doubts and difficulties that could have arisen in the time of the seal of the caliphs, i.e. the promised Messiah, regarding the false belief that Jesus, son of Mary, was still alive, had been removed by Hazrat Abu Bakr with the utmost clarity. The companions unanimously accepted that all previous prophets had passed away, and not a single one of them believed otherwise. In fact, all the companions obeyed Hazrat Abu Bakr in all matters, just like the Israelites obeyed Joshua, son of Nun, after the death of Moses, peace be upon him. God provided succor and help to Moses and Joshua, just as he supported the Holy Prophet and Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq after him. Yeshu, son of Nun, and Yusha, son of Nun, are the names of the same person. The Promised Messiah further states, In reality, just as he did with Joshua, son of Nun, God Almighty blessed Hazrat Abu Bakr so much so that no enemy could challenge him. Similarly, the unfinished matter of Osama's army, which was similar to the tasks that remained unfinished in the time of Moses, was fulfilled by Hazrat Abu Bakr. There is another extraordinary similarity between Hazrat Abu Bakr and Joshua, and that is when Moses passed away, the first person Allah the Almighty informed by means of revelation was Joshua. This was to save the Jews falling into doubt or error with regards to the death of Moses, as has been mentioned in the opening chapter of the book of Joshua. In the same manner, the first person to accept wholeheartedly that the Holy Prophet had passed away was Hazrat Abu Bakr. He kissed the blessed body of the Holy Prophet and said, You are pure in this life and even after death you remain pure. Then, before a large gathering, he removed all those doubts with regards to the Holy Prophet being alive that had persisted in the mind of some companions by reciting a verse of the Holy Quran. At the same time, he uprooted the belief held by certain people owing to not pondering over the sayings of the Holy Prophet that the Messiah, son of Mary, was alive. Just as Joshua destroyed the enemies of faith who spread falsehood and disorder in the same way, many mischief-makers and false claimants of prophethood were killed at the hands of Hazrat Abu Bakr. Prophet Moses died in such a precarious time when the Israelites had not yet attained victory against the Canaanites and were yet to accomplish many feats. All the while the cries of the enemies grew even more prominent after the death of Moses, which created an even more perilous situation. Likewise, a dangerous period followed the demise of the Holy Prophet. Many tribes among Arabia abandoned their faith. Some refused to pay the zakat, and many false claimants to prophethood rose up. Such perilous time required a strong, brave and valiant Khalifa who had unwavering faith and determination and thus Hazrat Abu Bakr was appointed the Khalifa. And as soon as he was appointed as the Khalifa, he had to face many great sorrows and hardships as explained by the saying of Hazrat Aisha that owing to dissension and rebellion, some tribes rose up as did certain false claimants to forfeited. They did this at a time when my father had been appointed as the Khalifa after the demise of the Holy Prophet So many trials and sorrows befell him that had they descended upon a mountain, it would have broken into pieces and fallen to the ground. However, it is the law of nature that whenever a Khalifa is appointed after the demise of a Prophet, a spirit is breathed into him which instills them with the bravery, courage, resolve, wisdom and a strong heart. Just like Allah the Almighty says to Joshua, son of Nun, in the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verse 6, Be strong and of good courage. That is to say that since Moses had passed away, now he must stand strong. The same was revealed upon the heart of Abu Bakr, not as an injunction of the Sharia, but as a divine decree. The equivalence and similarity in the incidents make it seem as though Abu Bakr bin Abi Quhafa and Joshua son of Nun are the same person. The similarity of their successorship has become established with the utmost clarity. When looking at the similarities between 
two established communities, it is natural to look at the first person or the last person. Usually people do not consider it necessary to look at the similarities during the middle period of both communities, which requires more careful investigation and research. Instead, it is based on the first and last. For this reason, the similarities between Joshua and Hazrat Abu Bakr, who were the first caliphs of their respective communities, and also the similarities between Jesus, son of Mary, and the promised Messiah of this Ummah, who were the last caliphs of their respective communities, have become manifest with full clarity. For example, the resemblance between Hazrat Abu Bakr and Joshua are so striking that it is as if they are one person, like two pieces of the same gemstone. Thus, after the demise of Moses, all of the Israelites hearkened to the call of Joshua, and none from among them quarreled in this matter, and instead obeyed him. So too did this incident take place in the time of Hazrat Abu Bakr. Despite shedding tears at the demise of the Holy Prophet everyone wholeheartedly accepted the Khilafat of Hazrat Abu Bakr Thus, from every aspect, the similarity of Joshua with Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq can be proven. God supported Joshua with his divine succor, as he would support Moses. In the same manner, God blessed the work of Hazrat Abu Bakr for all the companions to see, and his prestige grew just as it does in the case of prophets. Having been imbued with the power and might from God Almighty, Hazrat Abu Bakr destroyed the false claimants of prophethood and those who tried to create disorder. This was so the companions, may Allah be pleased with them, understand that Allah is with Abu Bakr just as he was with the Holy Prophet. Another remarkable similarity between Hazrat Abu Bakr and Joshua son of Nun is that after the demise of Prophet Moses, Joshua had to cross a dangerous river called the Jordan River along with his army. The river was turbulent and to cross it seemed impossible. However, if they were not able to cross this dangerous river, it was plausible that the Israelites would perish at the hands of their enemies. Thus, after the demise of Prophet Moses, this was the first perilous situation faced by Joshua in his ministry. During this trial, God Almighty saved Joshua son of Nun and his army through the power of his miracle and caused the river to dry up, which enabled them to cross over easily. The reason it dried was due to the ebb and flow of the river or then an extraordinary miracle. Nonetheless, this is how God saved the Israelites from the danger and perishing at the hands of the enemy. After the demise of the Holy Prophet, the rightful Caliph, Abu Bakr, and the companions, who numbered more than 100,000, faced a similar grave situation. In fact, it was even more dangerous. That was in the form of a fierce rebellion which swept throughout the land. It was certain that those Arab Bedouins regarding whom Allah the Almighty had said, would show dissent so that this prophecy would be fulfilled. The translation of this verse is, the Arabs of the desert say, we believe. Say, you have not believed yet, but rather say, we have submitted. For true belief has not yet entered into your hearts. Nonetheless, the Prophet Islam says, this is exactly what transpired and they all became apostates. Some of them refused to pay the zakat and some claimed to be prophets and several hundred thousand wretched individuals rallied behind them. The force of the enemies grew so much that the number of the companions were no match in comparison. A fierce storm of opposition swept throughout the land. This scenario was far more dangerous than the one faced by Joshua, son of Nun. After the demise of Moses, Joshua was embroiled in a grave trial, whereby they faced a tempestuous river and had no boats with which to cross it. All the while the threat of the enemy lingered around them. Similarly, Hazrat Abu Bakr was faced with the trial of the demise of the Holy Prophet, as well as a storm of opposition from the rebelling Arab tribes. A second trial, which was in the form of the false claimants of prophethood, 
gave strength to the first trial. This trial was not anything less than the trial faced by Joshua, son of Nun, but in fact was much more dangerous. Thus the word of God gave strength to Joshua, wherein he stated, The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go, and be strong and brave, do not be discouraged. This gave strength to Joshua and filled him with resolve and faith, the likes of which develops when one is reassured by God. Likewise, Hazrat Abu Bakr drew strength from God when faced with a storm of rebellion. Anyone who is familiar with this period of Islamic history can concur that the trial faced by Hazrat Abu Bakr was so grave that were it not for the hand of God beside Abu Bakr, and if Islam was not a religion sent by God, and if Abu Bakr was not the true Caliph, then on that day Islam would have been annihilated. So, as was the case with Prophet Joshua, Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq also drew strength from God's pure word, because God Almighty had previously foretold of this trial in the Holy Quran. Thus, whosoever deliberates over the following verse will become certain beyond any doubt that this trial had already been mentioned in the Holy Quran. And that prophecy was, وَعَدَ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مِنْكُمْ وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ لَيَسْتَخْلِفَنَّهُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ كَمَا اسْتَخْلَفَ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ وَلَيُمَكِّنَنَّ لَهُمْ دِينَهُمُ الَّذِي ارْتَضَى لَهُمْ وَلَيُبَدِّلَنَّهُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِ خَوْفِهِمْ أَمْنًا يَعْبُدُونَنِي لَا يُشْرِكُونَ بِي شَيْئًا وَمَنْ كَفَرَ بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ فَأُولَئِكَ هُمُ الْفَاسِقُونَ Meaning that Allah has promised the pious believers that he would make them successes in the earth, similar to the successes he made in the past, and would appoint vicegerents in this ummah like he appointed vicegerents after Prophet Moses. The Promised Messiah has himself written this explanatory translation. The Promised Messiah further says, He would appoint vicegerents in this ummah like he appointed vicegerents after Prophet Moses, and he would establish for them their religion, i.e. Islam, which he has chosen for them. He would reinforce this religion and give them in exchange security and peace after their fear. They will worship me and they will not associate anything with me. Deliberate over this verse which clearly states that there will be a period of fear wherein peace would fade away. However, God will transform this period of fear into a period of peace and security. Thus, this period of fear fell upon Joshua, son of Nun. And just as the word of God assured him, in the same way, the word of God assured Hazrat Abu Bakr. The details of the remaining five aspects will be explained in the future, God willing. Pray for the current state of conflict in the world. The situation continues to become increasingly perilous and now even threats of atomic warfare are being made. As I have mentioned previously on many occasions, that this will have horrendous consequences which the future generations will have to endure. It is only Allah who can guide these people. Recite a lot of durood these days and also istighfar. May Allah the Almighty forgive us of our sins and grant wisdom and understanding to the leaders of the world. On one occasion, the Promised Messiah particularly drew the attention of the Jama'at towards reciting the following prayer. رَبَّنَا آتِنَا فِي الدُّنْيَا حَسَنَةً وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ حَسَنَةً وَقِنَا عَذَابَ النَّارِ The Promised Messiah stated that one should recite this while standing after the Ruku. There is a great need these days to extensively recite this prayer. May Allah the Almighty grant us the bounties and also protect everyone from all forms of punishment of the fire. I will also lead a funeral prayer in absentia today of a respected Abul Faraj al-Husni Sahib of Syria who passed away on 13th of February at the age of 90. Very to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. His father, respected Muhammad al-Husni Sahib, was among the pioneer Ahmadis. He accepted Ahmadiyyat through the preaching efforts of Maulana Jalaluddin Sham Sahib. Abul Faraj al-Husni Sahib 
was a nephew of the first Amir of Syrian Jamaat, respected Munir al-Husni Sahib, and also served as a Naib Amir during his time in office and afterwards as well. He was born in 1933. He was positively influenced by the virtues, piety and academic discussions with his uncle Munir al-Husni Sahib as he would often sit in his company. He was 15 years old when one day he was moved to tears upon hearing the recitation of the Holy Quran on the radio. He went to his uncle and said that he wished to learn more about Allah. He gave him a book of the Prophet and when he read it, a great transformation came about within him and he went to his uncle saying that he wished to pledge allegiance. He had the good fortune of meeting three caliphs. He was blessed with the opportunity of meeting the second caliph in 1955 when Hazrat Muslim Aud visited Damascus and he also had the opportunity of serving as part of Hazur's security. In 1972, he had the opportunity of travelling to Pakistan and spending a few months in the company of Hazrat Khalid Tumsi III Rahimahullah in Rabwa, during which time he was able to learn Urdu and attain in-depth knowledge regarding the Jamaat. In the same year, he was able to travel from Pakistan to Gardian. In 1986, he travelled to England on the occasion of Jalsa Salana and had the honour of an audience with Hazrat Khalid Tumsi IV Rahimahullah. Then, in 2017, he was able to attend Jalsa Salana Gardian once again and also delivered a brief address in Arabic during the Jalsa. The deceased was very virtuous, pious, sincere and an elder whose actions were in accordance with his words. He did not have any children and his wife is not an Ahmadi. The Sadr of the Syrian Jamaat says, I accompanied him in 2017 on a visit to Gardian. He was quite weak, yet the degree of his passion was such that it seemed as if he was not walking, rather it was as if he was soaring in the air. Initially, he was reluctant to go because of his illness, but when I told him that he should go visit, he said that now that the Caliph has given an order or said that he should go, then there was no need to worry. Allah the Almighty bestowed his blessings and both he and his wife were cured from their illness and weakness. Thus, by the grace of Allah the Almighty, he travelled to Qadian. In fact, he was also able to climb to the top of Minarat al-Masih. is said that he climbed to the top faster than the youths who were there, despite the fact he had previously experienced difficulty in walking. Musalam Darubi Sahib, who is a doctor, writes, I, along with others, are witness to the fact that the deceased was a friend of Allah and from among the devotees of Syria. He was a renowned tradesman in Damascus. He was exemplary and well-known. He was very wise and intelligent. He was regular in offering tahajjud prayers. He experienced true dreams, many of which were fulfilled, including those pertaining to the various hardships and struggles faced by Syria. When various missionaries travelled to Syria in order to study Arabic, he would treat them very respectfully, firstly because they had been sent by the Caliph and secondly because they had dedicated their lives for the sake of propagating the message. Hussam al-Naqib Sahib, the former Sadr of Syria who currently resides in Turkey, writes, The deceased possessed many excellent qualities, the foremost of which was his love for the Prophet Islam and his caliphs. I will never forget my trip to Qadian with him, a trip in which every aspect was a miracle. I remained with him throughout our visit to Qadian, and he would constantly pray, O oh God, bestow the caliph with your help and support and bestow your blessings in his life and everything he does. He further writes, Whenever someone was mentioning a directive from the Caliph in a gathering, he would not allow anyone else to speak so that he could hear, understand and derive benefit from the directive in its entirety. He was extremely selfish. It did not please him to hear others complimenting him. Rather, he would scold them saying to leave such things because Allah and his community is all that matters 
and that they should speak about the Jamaat instead. He always studied the books of the Prophet Islam. Aside from the last few years of his life when he was extremely weak, he never stopped studying the Jamaat literature. He had a special attachment to tafsir kabir by Hazrat Muslim anhu. Whenever someone asked him about the commentary of a verse in the Holy Quran, he'd present the explanation given in tafsir kabir His nephew, Muhammad Ammar al-Hisni, who lives here in the UK, says, I was 14 years old when I used to go with him to offer the Friday prayers. While returning home with him, I would ask him questions about things pertaining to the Jamaat along the way, and he would answer in great detail. Jamaat literature was not available in Syria, and so the deceased played a huge role in imparting Jamaat knowledge to its members. He had learned to read Urdu while visiting Rabwa and would bring Urdu books back with him in order to read and understand them. He would then translate them into Arabic so that he could help explain them to the members of the Jamaat. The deceased was selfless and never desired any official post, but preferred to always remain a servant of the faith. Hazrat Khalif Masih IV wished to appoint him as the Emir. However, he said that people might assert that the office of the Emir has become an inherited post based on lineage and thus requested for someone else to be appointed, and he would fully cooperate with whoever it was. Thereafter, he cooperated with an Amir who was younger than him and was in fact exemplary in his cooperation. May Allah the Almighty grant the deceased forgiveness, elevate his station, and accept all his prayers in favour of his wife and enable her to accept Ahmadiyyat. After the prayers, I will offer his funeral prayer in absentia. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Nahmadu, Nasainu, Nasafiru, Vanomino, Vanatawakalo, Vanauzo, Villah, Himin Shururian, Fosino, Vamin Sayya, Tiamolina, Maya, Dillah, Fala, Mudillah. وَمَنْ يُضْلِلُّ فَلَا هُدِيَ لَهُ وَنَشْهَدُ اللَّهَ إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَنَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ إِبْعَادُ اللَّهِ رَحِمَكُمَ اللَّهُ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَعْمَرُ بِالْعَدْلِ وَالْلِسَانِ وَإِتَاءِ ذِي الْقُرْبَةِ وَيَنْهَانِ الْفَاشَاءِ وَالْمُنْكَرِ وَالْبَعِي يَعِزُكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَذَكَّرُونَ أُذْكُرُوا اللَّهَ يَذْكُرْكُمْ وَدُوهُ يَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ وَذَلِكُرُوا اللَّهِ يَذْكُرْكُمْ